US inflation was higher than expected even in the core reading, but despite that, not a massive market response. A bad GDP number for the UK, but they're blaming the weather for just about everything. A resilient consumer spending for Oz last month, despite the supposed consumer gloom, and maybe the weather was partially responsible for that too. Breakfast out, perhaps? And today, Australian labour market data and the next big central bank decision, the ECB, will they or won't they? The economy is looking shaky, but wages could be a concern as well. It's Thursday, the 14th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, not much movement in the US dollar and not much movement in other major currencies either. The DXY is up 0.1%. The euro is down 0.2%. The Aussie also down 0.2% to just below 64.2 US cents this morning. Big moves down in bond yields, including a seven basis point drop in 10-year gilt yields in the UK and a four basis point drop in 10-year treasuries. Aussie 10-year yields were down two basis points yesterday to 4.14%. Not much movement overnight on futures, though. And US shares, well, they had bound back, but then they lost ground. Now they're back up a little bit, but the Nasdaq is uh, closed up 0.3%. The S&P managing just 0.1%, and the uh, Dow just down 0.2%. And down in Europe as well, 0.4% off the Eurostox 50, and the DAX the same. Incidentally, the new iPhone obviously failed to impress. Apple users must hate USB-C connections. Uh, Apple shares are down 1% today, although it arguably could be more to do with China making an official announcement about iPhones being involved in security incidents, and China is about a fifth of their revenue. So that would be a bit of a concern, wouldn't it? Oil has retreated a little, 0.3% off WTI, 0.1% off Brent, which is close to 92 a barrel still. Uh, oil inventories in the US last week actually rose about 4 million barrels after a few successive falls, but that doesn't seem to have influenced the price too much. So, US CPI, let's look at that. The big number came and went, and it came in a bit higher than expected for the core month-on-month rate. But uh, we've seen no massive market reaction to that. Nabs Tapper Strickland is with me from uh, Sydney. So why have we not seen any more market reaction? Was it because even though, you know, this tick up in the uh, core rate was bad, uh, we saw average hourly earnings falling in real terms, down about half a percent month on month, which the Fed would be happy about. So is that sort of offset the bad news a bit? Uh, good morning, Phil. I don't think it was the real leverage hourly earnings. After all, we really had the uh, average hourly earnings with the payrolls figures uh, last week. But what really, uh, I think, uh, and when you and Ray were discussing and previewing it yesterday, it was the whisper number out there was for a higher than expected print. And the Bloomberg survey was very much skewed towards a 0.3% print, even though the median was at 0.2 for the call. And so that print at 0.3 didn't come as a big surprise to the market. And indeed, when you looked at the details, uh, the main difference for the wire core printed a little bit higher than uh, what the median had expected was driven by FS, uh, which rose uh, 4.9% month on month, and also because of a uh, greater than expected rise in car insurance as well. Um, so you can somewhat discount some of those, uh, most probably. And so then you're still left with the fact that core inflation in the US has been averaging around that kind of 0.2 to 0.3% mark. And there hasn't been really too much change in, in the narrative. Right. So what you're telling me is it was expected that it was going to be higher than expected, uh, which <laughs> which sort of makes you wonder about the definition of the word expected. But, but it also sounds like some of that, like airfares, 
obviously a one-off because everyone's traveling like crazy right now and uh, they're going to get that out of this out the, you know the, the, they'll get over that and uh, that'll come back down again uh, yes and on that uh, it was um, expected expected I'm um, just worth noting that all these surveys are usually finalized a week before the data comes out and right. uh, there is a whisper number out there as well uh, and that whisper number starts to move uh, ahead of the actual print and so the whisper number was moving higher even though the uh, consensus was at 0.2%. Um, I think for the Fed, really, uh, it doesn't really change what they're likely to do in mm. September. So they're still expected to, to hold it. Indeed, when you look at Fed funds pricing, it was a little changed post, post the numbers on net. Um, but it still keeps alive the prospect of a rate hike uh, sometime uh, at the back end of th- this year. So I think the overall profile of the Fed funds implied dot profile is still going to be implying one further rate hike uh, for the rest of this year, but really no real change in terms of the Fed narrative here. And I think the key thing here is when you look at what Fed officials have been saying recently, so uh, New York Fed President John Williams did speak last week, and he pointed to measures of inflation that incorporated that widely anticipated slowdown in housing rent, and he suggested underlying price pressures are near 2.5%, and he thought that was quite favorable. And after today's data, um, that assessment still holds. So when you actually map the CPI figures to PCE, Core PC or implied PC is running at 1.9% in three-month annualized terms and is running at 3.2% in six-month annualized terms. So nothing really to change uh, the narrative from today's data. So what I don't get, Tapas, is so shelter costs have risen a fair bit, and that's about one third of, of CPI. So what I don't get is that the, the rent or, or the proxy rent for homeowners You'd, of course, they're going up because interest rates are going up. And actually, you know, the 30-year mortgage rate actually went even higher to, uh, yesterday from 7.21% up to 7.27%. So isn't there a bit of a feedback loop here? You know, higher rates are causing higher rent, which is causing higher inflation. And of course, those rates are supposed to be bringing it down. But, it, you know, would be making it worse, wouldn't it? It's a very good question. And I guess it's less uh, of a question for the US, just given that those um, high frequency rent measures had been trending down over the past year, and that's still translating through to to CPI. So CPI rents, which cover the outstanding stock rents, is still expected to to, to moderate. But back in Australia, um, definitely rents have risen quite aggressively over the past year and some of it is due to um, very high high house prices being people being priced out of their housing market um, some of that may be due to high interest rates but also due to high population growth but in terms of what interest rates can do uh, interest rates can put uh, downward pressure on normal income growth in the economy and rents can only rise to a certain affordability metrics and then they can't really rise too too much further so uh, the main mechanism of uh, interest rates is really to cramp uh, to uh, clamp down on nominal in- income growth really putting a ceiling in terms of how much money can be devoted right but it's got it's got to cut through all of that savings to get to that of course anyway but look it's, it's a discussion for another day isn't it because i'm sure there's lots of different elements to all of that but let's because uh, we've got to move on because we've got to talk about uk gd for July, year on year, uh, it's fallen from 0.9% annually to zero, well below expectations. Month on month for July, down half a percent. So, uh, I mean, is this a sign that the UK is 
just starting to go into recession? It, it's a good question. And that recession call for the UK and indeed the wider uh, Eurozone um, e- economies across the channel um, has been there for, for quite some time. And yet both of those economies have been proven to be resilient. When you look at the details of that UK GDP figure, um, I think there was some strike action, uh, particularly in the healthcare sector, that weighed on, on that activity. So maybe it was mm. a little bit over-exaggerated. And then when we were discussing the UK retail sales, sales data a couple of weeks ago, um, it was noted that July in the UK was uh, the third wettest since, I think, 1896 or something like that. Um, so it, it's possible that, that excessive wet weather also weighed <laughs> on the UK growth figures. So I think you'll have to wait for next month's uh, GDP print to get right. a clearer view there. Um, what you can probably say is the UK economy is looking fairly weak. Yeah, it is. And they add that to the big fall in jobs that we had earlier in the week as well. I mean, that makes a rise from the Bank of England look even less likely now, doesn't it? I'm not sure whether it does, um, in the sense that you still have uh, wages growth growing very, very strongly. Um, mm. And albeit some of that was driven by the public sector, but still that level of wages growth is still inconsistent with getting inflation back yeah. to target. So the risks is still that the Bank of England has to do more in order to get inflationary pressures under control. Well, look, it was all bad data, wasn't it, from the UK? Month on month, industrial production was down, what, 0.8%, manufacturing production down 0.8%. Industrial production also well down in the euro area, 1.1% lower for the uh, for the month of July. And, of course, we have the ECB later on today. So what's the ex- what's the expected, you know, we're using that word expected advisedly, but what's expected today? It's a very good question. And uh, just prior to a couple of days ago, there was about a 50-50 chance. Um, however, uh, since then, uh, there has been a Reuters report uh, that mentioned uh, an anonymous source. Always dangerous when you mention an anonymous sources. Um, but uh, they suggested the ECB staff would be lifting their inflation forecast to above 3% in 2024. And um, that's well above uh, the central bank's 2% target and higher than the 3% forecast uh, in, back in June. So uh, that's seen market pricing lift to around 70% chance. And you'd have to say, just given uh, the likely lift in that inflation profile, uh, the ECB probably leans towards hiking um, at, at this meeting. Well, we had Klaus Knott from the Dutch central bank saying he reckons that investors are underestimating the likelihood of a rate rise because of the high wage growth, which is a fair point, isn't it, given that it was 6.4% in Q2 this year. Uh, and it's risen more each quarter, basically, since uh, the final quarter of 2021. Definitely. And it seems like there has been that big lag between the US and Europe, where uh, at least the inflation bit in Europe initially was driven by commodity prices, but that's now crystallizing into higher wages growth. And that same trend was seen in, in the US a year or a year and a half ago. Right. There's a press conference after the decision, if you're prepared to stay up late tonight, Australian time. Uh, talking about Australia, the employment number, the big number locally for today, uh, a drop of almost 15,000 last month. Actually, a drop of 24,000 for full-time employed last month, even though the total hours worked actually increased, which is interesting, isn't it? So what are we expecting today, and how much of this is going to be influenced by this rise in immigration. We know that that has uh, impacted a lot of things, including uh, productivity and uh, and GDP. What's it going to do to employment? It's a very good question. I guess with at least with the population getting bigger, um, the amount of employment you need each month to keep the unemployment rate steady uh, increases. So I think it takes about 
33,000 jobs a month just to keep the unemployment rate steady in any given month. Um, and that's well up from, say, the 15,000 mark each month that we needed uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, for this month's print, we pencil in 50,000 jobs and for the unemployment rate to tick back a tenth to 3.6%. If you recall, it did rise to 3.7% last month there. I don't think there's anything there really to uh, um, shake uh, the kind of leaves in terms of what the outlook for the RBA is. Mm. And NAB's own Ross McEwen uh, was in Canberra yesterday meeting with Jim Chalmers with a couple of other banks as well, but we don't care about them. Uh, and a quote in the AFR today, he said, there won't be a recession in Australia. It's just quiet at the moment, but there will be growth in the economy by December. So basically, you know, we're hoping for a soft landing like America. Let's hope he's right on that. And look, at, I mean, if we look at the uh, monthly transactions data for August for uh, from NAB, I mean, that is showing just how resilient spending still is. 6.4% higher year on year, 0.8% month on month uh, after a 1.1% month on month rise in July. So what are we spending it on? It can't all be brunch, surely. I'm sure that's a part of it, but it can't all be going out for brunch. <laughs> uh, in, in, indeed. I think uh, you're starting to see spending lift in many other areas, um, particularly in art and recreation and in other services as well. So unusually, some of that uh, discretionary retail spend is actually starting to rise again. I think it just illustrates that um, while um, headline wages growth is measured by the WPI may not be all that high, aggregate income growth in the economy still remains relatively strong, and that's still leading to a lot of spending growth in the economy. So the risk for the RBA uh, is still that inflation remains a little bit more sticky than what they were expecting. And indeed, in our NAB monthly business survey that we had out on Tuesday, that all pointed towards still fairly strong inflationary pressures, uh, both in terms of purchase costs, in terms of final prices, and also in terms of wages bills as well. So the risk still remains that the RBA is not done here. Um, at NAB, we still expect the RBA to hike rates by another 25 basis points by November, and we'll be looking quite closely at the uh, coming uh, CPI reports, particularly for any pickup in terms of firms passing on the high minimum uh, award wage increases that we did see back in July and whether that's translated into higher services prices and whether the latest increase in energy prices is also leading to firms uh, translating through to higher prices. That RBA research paper that you mentioned with Ray yesterday did note that firms seem to uh, be willing and able to pass on higher input costs uh, to the end consumer. So if Mm. those input costs are rising, whether it's through wages or through higher energy prices, maybe get quicker pass-through Um, because firms are able to do that, just because nominal income growth in the economy is still relatively strong. I think it said that they were uh, able to pass them on and uh, reluctant to bring them down again, didn't they? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Why why their uh, profits are looking so good. Uh, So the US initial jobless claims tonight, which have been falling. Maybe today they'll break that trend. We get business inventories as well and retail inventories and retail sales and producer prices. So put all of that together. Where's that going to take us? It's a very good question. I don't think it really changes the near-term narrative here, unless we did get a big miss on retail sales. Uh, the narrative really is that uh, the US economy remains resilient, uh, CPI is starting to edge a little bit lower, but still remains relatively sticky, and then the US Fed is almost done, probably has one more left in the pipe, uh, according to their, uh, according to their f- forecast. So I don't think that really changes that. And narrative. And and look, uh, one final question. Given that you know the action of central banks is is so influential on on currencies, particularly the US dollar. So if the ECB is on hold uh, and it doesn't lift rates today, 
Uh, what's that going to do to the US dollar? Is it going to, is it going to push it back up again? Oh, I think it does. And I think the key will be exactly why the ECB left their rate on hold if mm. they did. And just to be clear, at NAB, we are expecting the ECB to lift rates uh, tomorrow. Um, the key will be if it's due to growth, then uh, the ECB is responding to growth weakening. And that leaves the US economy still being the least dirty T-shirt in the laundry basket or indeed the only clean one in the laundry basket and so oh. still lends itself to US dollar outperformance. Do you know what? I haven't heard that laundry basket analogy for ooh, weeks now. Uh, so thanks for bringing it back to the table, Tapas. <laughs> and, uh, My favourite one. And we will catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming Cheers. on this morning. Thanks, Phil. And just to be clear, Tapas always wears very clean shirts, very neatly pressed. So uh, it's obviously a bit of an obsession of his. Uh, that's it for the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.